Welcome to The Wellness Connection with your hosts, Roddy Aglis and Peter McCarthy. Our program provides you with timely and relevant information on the state of your health and the topics surrounding it, such as natural remedies, green living, expert opinions, important facts, and more to contribute to your healthy lifestyle. Now, here are Peter McCarthy and Roddy Aglis. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Connection. I'm your co-host, Rodney Iglese. And I'm your co-host, Peter McCarthy. We have an exciting and informative show for you today, including an interview with naturopath, inventor, and international consultant, Dr. Andre Kulitz. And our usual features, the supplement of the week, the burning question, and this week's drug-induced nutrient depletion report. And we'll close the show with a health freedom update with MS survivor and stem cell therapy activist, Jennifer Ziegler. But first, Radia, you have some important news about weight loss and breast cancer prevention. Yes, I do, Peter. Women who lost 5% or more body weight after menopause had a 12% lower risk of developing breast cancer compared with stable weight women, a new study found. The analysis of over 61,000 women from the Women's Health Institute observational study also found that while not associated with overall risk, a weight gain of 5% or more correlated with a 54% higher incidences of triple negative breast cancer. The study authors reported in the journal Cancer. Few studies have shown weight loss can reduce breast cancer risks, the authors told MedPage today, but this is one of the few studies that do so. Although obesity has been strongly related to breast cancer risk, previous studies on whether weight loss might reduce menopausal risk have yielded mixed results, according to the background information in the study. In the WHI observational study, participants ranged in age from 50 to 79 years old at baseline, had no history of breast cancer, and had normal mammogram results. About 85% were white, demographic characteristics were documented, and body weight, height, and body mass index were assessed at entrance and once again three years later. While hormone-related changes may play a role, it's more likely that other factors associated with obesity, such as markers of inflammation and components of the metabolic syndrome, are playing a bigger role. Well, what do you think, Peter? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, they're onto something here. Uh, certainly, as we both know, uh, the more weight you, you carry in the way of adipose tissue, the higher your estrogenic load is, and that's a, a, a tissue proliferator. So it, it, can, it can certainly uh, uh, in, uh, contribute to weight uh, or to uh, cancer. And uh, I think, but also I think the, the authors pointed out very aptly that, uh, you know, when you're dealing with metabolic syndrome and the I word again, inflammation, mm -hmm. uh, you're going to have uh, a, a real kind of nasty cocktail there. And of course, you know, adipose tissue is where the body stores toxins. So the more adipose tissue you have, the more toxins you store. Yeah, and in that case, it may store in, in uh, breast tissue. 
There you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Peter, your news has to do with the importance of exercise and maintaining good mental health. It does, Roddy. A regular exercise helped improve self-reported mental health in the past month, according to a study of general population survey respondents published in Lancet Psychiatry. Compared with adults who did not engage in any form of exercise, those who did experienced around a 43.2% overall lower mental health burden per month, representing around 1.5 fewer days of poor mental health, according to the study's authors. This positive association between exercise and improved mental health was even more pronounced in those who had a previous diagnosis of depression, marked by an average of 3.75 fewer days of poor mental health per month. The researchers found that all types of exercise were tied to improved mental health, while those who participated in popular teen sports saw the largest associated reduction in poor mental health days. Teen sports participants reported a 22.3% lower monthly mental health burden, cyclists a 21.6% lower burden, and aerobic slash gym activity participants a 20.1% lower burden. For the analysis, the researchers looked at data from over 1,200,000 U.S. adults who participated in one of the CDC Behavioral Risk Factors Surveillance System surveys between 2011 and 2015. The group stated, in units commonly used in public health guidelines, people exercising between 120 minutes and 360 minutes per week had the lowest mental health burden. All people experience this mental health improvement tied to exercise with apparent benefits seen across all age groups, racial groups, all levels of incomes, and for men and women. Well, of course, we know that when we exercise, all those good endorphins and serotonin and all those wonderful things are secreted. So There you go, the endorphin pump, huh? Absolutely. It would totally make sense, you know. So I, I think... Uh, Exercise is a very important part of keeping our mental health and keeping depression and anxiety at a minimum. Keeping it at bay, absolutely. And now it's my pleasure to introduce our featured guest, Dr. Andre Alexander Kulitz is a practicing naturopathic doctor and an international consultant in the area of neurotoxicity and chronic inflammatory conditions and an expert advisor to the European Commission. Through his worldwide naturopathic health service, he provides recovery programs for patients in many countries. In 1985, he established Kulitz Inc., a.k.a. Andre Kulitz Associates, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, to investigate opportunities for new treatments through mathematical modeling of absent or incompetent human organs. Among other medical patents, his company developed an intraurethral bladder control device. Dr. Kulitz holds 13 medical patents in the United States and over 30 in other countries. He is a graduate of the Maritime Academy in Poland, the Aviation Institute in Russia, and the Knightsbridge University with a doctorate in applications of technology and economics in medicine. Dr. Kulitz is a registered national provider by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and accredited to practice in the European Union. Dr. Andre, welcome to the Wellness Connection. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be with you. 
quite a curriculum vitae you have there, sir. Um, Dr. Andre, more and more people are asking questions about the importance of methylation to the healthy functioning of their bodies. Can you tell our listeners what exactly is methylation? Well, there are many, there are very many important physiological processes and that happened within us that keep us alive. And I think that methylation is one of the more important, even if not the most important. It is a physiological process of DNA replication, but physiological process that that regulates gene expression, regulates protein function, ribonucleic acid processing, it's basically our gene replication. So important thing is uh, that if this process is not progressing well in species, then species go extinct. Extinct. So, so what happens is that it's very important to keep it up. So uh, asking the question another way, uh, Dr. Kulich, if somebody is a poor methylator, uh, what, what consequences does that have for their body uh, as time goes on? Well, it's quite, quite substantial, can be quite substantial. Now, we have poor methylators simply because of the lifestyle, and we have poor methylators because some people were born that way or, or uh, got into this situation because of some, uh, uh, some toxicity. But generally, if methylation goes bad, then we have a whole bunch of problems uh, that have to do with the development with functioning and reproduction um, and uh, with uh, some some other pro some other pro the, the most important is uh, development intellectual development so it's it's a whole bunch of them it's very difficult to pick up to pick three or four or five that would be more important than others because this is pretty much the wholesale deal so you um, you were mentioning some people uh, are born with a defect, and that's the MTHFR SNP. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what what are the consequences of uh, of that defect in a body's methylation mechanism? Okay, the, the probably the one that people know the best is spina bifida. This is the, the this is probably the mothers that don't take enough of folic acid, and this is what happens to the children. But impermethylation can lead to depression, to anxiety, can expose people to allergens, is basically histamine intolerance, uh, increased risk of cancer. Um, the 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 poor uh, hormonal uh, profiles and and the poor detox capacity infertility the case in point uh, Pottinger cats, you are probably familiar with this experiment. Pottinger cats that were deprived of nutrition, including methylators, stopped reproducing, I think, at the generation five or six. I don't remember exactly. So, it's a, you know, the, the less of a problem is fatigue, low, low energy, um, and high homocysteine. So, those kind of, uh, you know, hope, hopefully wraps it up. Okay, well, uh, when you're looking at somebody who uh, is um, methylation deficient, uh, 
what are you looking at to determine whether or not they have a likelihood of uh, leading to the onset of a chronic illness? Well, it's very difficult to say just without running a test or running a test or tests, but you can tell pretty much when you do interview with the patient that if they people consider themselves like they have a lot of um, mental fog or kind of a not very, the intellect doesn't seem to work very well. If they complain being tired, uh, poor sleepers, then you probably could assume that providing them with methylators with B12, methylated B12 with folic acid or folic acid would really help them. And this is very easy test. You give them a few pills of it and call them in a week and find out how you are doing. And all of a sudden, everything seems to be working. So it's a very, very good test for poor methylators. Okay. Well, you know, one of the questions we get from our, uh, our customers at each of the pharmacies that we work at is, why aren't the other B vitamins methylated? We, we hear a lot about B12 and, of course, folate, but uh, I've had a, had a question uh, from a customer this week. How come these other B, B vitamins aren't methylated? Why, why is that? Okay, well, the, the primary methylators, uh, let, let me maybe explain this way. Not every vitamin is a carrier of a methylation group, which is CH3, a one-valent one CH3 ion. And what happens is that only folic acid, uh, the B12, and uh, another one is betaine, which is actually a metabolite of choline, and the betaine is also called trimethylglycine. Only those can be actually carriers of this group CH3. So the, the, the reason that others don't is that simply they cannot, they cannot carry the CH3, the CH3 ion. Um, and uh, that's why those uh, three vitamins are very, very important. I mean, obviously, there are cofactors. So if you have good food, if you have complex uh, nutrition, then you really don't need to take anything. You are going to get it right in the food. So is it that a person uh, with an MTHFR SNP, um, they may be eating uh, high folic acid-rich foods, but are they able to metabolize that efficiently and, you know, making the conversion of uh, methionine to glutathione without that, you know, without B12 and folic acid and B6, what are the consequences? What, what happens? What's the breakdown? Okay, well, you see, this, is, this can be a pretty complex uh, issue because the fact that people eat good food does not necessarily mean that they are getting it. So if the integrity of gastrointestinal tract plays tremendous role here. You know, people can eat the best thing, but if gastrointestinal tract is missing a function of digestion, for example, or absorption or detoxification, then things are not working. So in de facto, they will be starving. So the important thing is that we have to look at, at the patient as, as, as a, complex, a complex problem in a sense. Uh, patient is never a problem, but uh, what I'm trying to say is that, that if, uh, if we want to methylate patient very well orally, then we have to be sure that the gastrointestinal tract works well enough to facilitate it. Mm -hmm. mm. Oh. So I've also heard, too, um, the term... Overmethylating versus undermethylating. 
Do you believe in, in that? And can you explain a little bit about what that means? Well, the literature, there are some pieces of literature uh, in the English language that do talk about overmethylation. I have yet to meet a single patient that has been overmethylated, and I've been doing what I'm doing for 30 years. So, uh, theoretically, possibly, but you see, we have a liver, this wonderful organ that actually controls all the methylation processes, and liver can handle it without any problems. So, I, yes, theoretically, it can be. There are some articles written about it. I have never met one. Wow. Well, you know, Dr. Rakulitz, we've got about a minute before we have to go to break. And, you know, one of the, the common terms that you hear when we're talking about methylation is MTHF. And could you share with our audience, what does that mean? Okay, MTHF uh, stands for metal tetrahydrofolate. Actually, the full name is 5-MTHF. And uh, this, is a, this is methylated, basically methylated folic acid. Uh, the, it's, a, it's very difficult to explain in, in one sentence how it really works. But let, let it be, uh, I mean, the, the simplest way is to say there is a very powerful carrier of methylation group that, that allows this whole process of methylation actually work very well along with methylated B12 and along with uh, trimethylglycine. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back with more from Dr. Andre Kulitz after this message from our sponsors. You're listening to The Wellness Connection on Voice America Digital Radio Network. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Balance and good health, two essential building blocks for a full and rich life. But sometimes in our complex and stressful world, both can be lost, and you need to find a natural way to get them back. Enter CBD oil, a natural approach to restoring harmony to your body and your life. But not just any CBD oil. For natural results, you want to be sure the CBD oil you use is produced the right way. Wave Organics offers pure CBD oil from hemp raised naturally on farms in Colorado. The oil is extracted using supercritical CO2, which is free of toxic solvents. In fact, Wave controls every step in the process, offering quality control and natural approaches from seed to shelf. Visit waayb.com to learn more and use the code wellnessconnection for a 10% discount on your first order. Wave Organics, pure natural CBD. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to the Wellness Connection. If you have a question or comment for Peter or Radia, please send it via email to the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. That's the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. Now, let's return to this week's show. Well, 
Roddy, you and I answer a lot of questions about Wave Organics at our workplaces every day. And one frequent question is, how is the CBD oil extracted? Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Well, sure, Peter. Wave uses what's called supercritical CO2 as the form of extraction for their product. Uh, USP-grade liquid CO2 is heated with increased pressure which gives it the properties of a liquid and a gas, helping it go through the hemp as well as the extract, ex- as well as extract the product from it. So Wade prefers it because it's the only solvent-free method of extraction currently. You can find more information about Wave products at www.wabe.com. And now we'll continue our interview with Dr. Andre Kulitz. Dr. Andre, before the break, we were talking about MTHF, and many people with the MTHFR mutation take supplements to overcome that mutation. Now, when you're taking MTHF supplements, uh, some of them do it via a topical cream. What are the advantages of using a cream as opposed to taking an oral MTHF? Well, it depends. You know, the, the cream is a carrier. It can be a very effective carrier and can be very beneficial to people that cannot really take it, take it orally. Uh, we have basically three ways to take, uh, to take our supplements. We can take it orally, take it by shot, by injection, I mean, and take it through topical means, by topical means. The topical means have substantial advantages when oral formulations are ineffective or when we are dealing with patients that cannot tolerate injections like little children that I actually have a lot in my practice. For example, in autistic children where the gastrointestinal tract is not functioning and it takes about half a year to restore it, the topical form is the only way to provide methylation. It may also be more effective if oral form is not enough when digestive processes may destroy the supplement or if it is not in enteric form. Mm-hmm. Important here is to say that under the skin, fatty tissues may impede the transfer of topical formulation. So it is very important that when we are applying topical formulations generally that we put them on a skin that doesn't have any fatty tissues under, the, uh, under it. Uh, uh-huh. Well, Dr. Andre, switching subjects a bit, um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what exactly is PRP? Uh, the, 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 there are many things hidden under the acronym PRP. Are you talking about platelet, platelet-rich plasma, or no, you are no, talking no, about no, proline-rich no, no, polypeptides? We're, we're talking about the, like, the ingredient in immuno-PRP. Oh, well, okay. So the, 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 that would be, you are talking about colostrum? Yes. Okay, okay, I got it, I got it. There's the proline-rich polypeptides. Um, th- this is part of the, of the colostrum, and the all-good colostrum that we, uh, that we can get on the market usually should have some proline-rich polypeptides. Colost- so the, the, the benefit of it is that it provides incredible 
ability, an incredible sense of uh, of improvement of um, uh, immunity. So the important thing is that when people are taking it, they boost their immunity substantially, and also as a side effect, in a way, they improve their gastrointestinal tract. So what happens is that uh, I give it, I mean, my patients, almost all patients, are taking uh, colostrum, PRP-rich colostrum, and they are doing extremely well. When everybody is sneezing and coughing, they are just running around, not a problem. Do you recommend taking it daily? I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't understand. Could you repeat it? I'm sorry. Do you recommend taking PRP daily as just an immune uh, prophylactic? Uh, yes, yes, I, I do. There are many... Uh, forms many brands of it some of them are called transfer factors some of them are called uh, uh, neuro, neuro, neuro PRP sprays uh, and uh, there are some other forms but but generally as yes, I do and particularly when it comes to uh, cooler weathers uh, particularly you know rainy kind of slushy unpleasant breeding ground for all the flus and colds things of that sort i usually recommend starting taking it about two weeks before and taking it through the through the season it works really splendidly and it has incredible benefit it's cheap it's really cheap it's a good way to handle it so you know one of the most popular products with our customers is the amino prp spray and i've used it myself i continue to do so and i've found it to be very effective what benefits have you seen in your clinicals from the prp spray okay the the prp spray is great actually because it doesn't take any room you can keep it in a pocket or you can keep it in the purse and the little children that i said i have quite a bit of them in my practice love it because it has kind of a little milky vanilla type flavor so you can spray it to their mouth and it's not a problem it's it's great it's just few sprays a day and it takes care of it is there a particular dosage that you recommend, say, where we are entering into the winter months and, you know, cold and flu season is upon us and people ask us, you know, how much should I take? Should I take the spray? Should I take the, the powder or the capsule? And uh, what's, what's the dosage you would recommend? Okay, the, the, the first thing is that spray and capsule and the powder are really equivalents. So they, they carry the element that is, that is, that is supporting immunity. So it will be actually it's a versus red color versus blue one. But, but when it comes to, to, the, to the dose, I usually recommend start taking double dose initially for about two, three weeks and then dropping down to a single dose a day and that carries people right through those difficult seasons without any problems. D Dr. Andre, you know, some of the, the uh, research that uh, we have looked at shows that uh, the immunoPRP spray in particular uh, has some real benefits for people who are suffering from autoimmune disorders. Could you comment about that? Yes, uh, actually, there is a quite a substantial benefit. Um, I would like to call your attention or attention of your listeners. There is a book, Peptide Immunotherapy, by Dr. Andrew Keech, K-E-E-C-H. And uh, he is the one that actually developed very substantially 
great processes of extracting uh, PRP uh, from colostrum and making colostrum very rich in PRP. I would really recommend them to read this because there is a tremendous amount of information how to use how to use colostrum and how to actually deal with that, how to protect yourself. All all things taken together, this is phenomenal thing. I use it. My wife uses it. Our children, I mean, our children as children in our care do it. So it it works very well. So, are there any contraindications for taking PRP? Well, the. the <laughs> I didn't see any. However, there are some some articles apparently, and uh, there are some doctors and some patients are afraid that it, because colostrum is a milk extract, really, then lactose or casein intolerance can be uh, can be an issue. I didn't see any. Mm. Uh, well, what if you have a casein allergy? Well. You see, this is really kind of a tricky thing because this either egg or a chicken. When somebody has generally, generally when somebody has nutritional allergies or nutrient-borne allergies, then the problem of it is most commonly in poorly functioning gastrointestinal tract, poor digestion, leaky gut, similar things, not necessarily in the food itself. So what I suggest normally it is to stop using those offending, offending uh, nutrients and offending uh, foods, restore gastrointestinal tract that may take probably three to six months and, uh, and try it again and then in small doses and find out if those allergies are going to return. I have very high level of confidence that most of them will never return and even if some will, that would be a lot less of an effect. So let's say for argument's sake that you've um, uh, gotten somebody out of the woods, so to speak, and they're on a path to good health. Would you suggest using PRP spray on an ongoing basis? Oh, yes, absolutely. PRP has phenomenal properties when it comes to, to, to um, keeping gastrointestinal tract healthy. It's, it's really very, very good. Now, there's one more thing that I would like to to you. Gastrointestinal tract is, uh, and, and excuse me, I don't know how much time do we have, but there's something that I would like to mention to, to your listeners. Gastrointestinal we tract... We have a couple of minutes. So we'd like uh, ga- gastrointestinal tract is the second most neurological organ after brain. So health of gastrointestinal tract very substantially reflects on mental health of a patient of a person mm-hmm. so if people have problems with with uh, you know poor thinking sluggishness uh, not being able to concentrate and things of that sort very often i would start restoring their gastrointestinal tract and and uh, all of a sudden after about a month or two when gut starts working correct it doesn't have to be taken care of yet it's not fully re- recovered but it's already working well enough that people think that oh wow happens a great great day you know and it's raining all over and they think it's a great day and sun is shining you know so god has tremendous influence on our on our neurological system yeah well that's really good information dr Andre. There's so much more we can talk about with you, but that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Dr. Andre Kulitz, for joining us on the Wellness Connection. 
We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. You're listening to The Wellness Connection on Voice America Digital Radio Network. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. All of us go through menopause or andropause at some point in our life. The changes in our body make us feel depressed, less confident, and lethargic. Research shows that levels of testosterone drop 50% between the ages of 20 and 40 for females and almost 1% every year for males over the age of 40. Alpha Male X and Alpha Female contain a powerful blend of nine synergistic ingredients designed to help support healthy hormone metabolism in men and women. Additionally, the select ingredients in this formula have been proven clinically effective in supporting sexual health and energy, promoting healthy cortisol levels, and providing dopamine support. When it comes to hormones, one supplement does not fit all. So be sure and visit alphatherapeutics.us and fill out the questionnaire to get the dosing instructions that are right for you. Use the code wellnessconnection for a 15% discount on your first order. Let's connect because together we make our lives better. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Listening to the Wellness Connection. If you have a question or comment for Peter Aradia, please send it via email to the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. That's the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. Now, let's return to this week's show. You know, Roddy, a study showed that men's testosterone levels have been declining for decades. The most prominent, a 2007 study in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism, revealed a quote-unquote substantial drop in U.S. men's testosterone levels since the 1980s, with average levels declining by about 1% per year. Testosterone levels affect women as well, of course. However, women create lower levels and are more sensitive to androgens than men. Yeah, and you know, Peter, Dr. Joby John is the head pharmacist and co-owner of Lake Hills Pharmacy, and he's dedicated much of his time working with prescribers, pharmacists, and other leading healthcare providers throughout the United States in the field of hormone replacement, HRT. So when you, our listeners, go to www.alphatherapeutics.com to buy your alpha male X or alpha female, be sure you fill out the questionnaire in order to assist you in getting the right dosage. And, you, and don't forget to put in the code, the wellness connection, to get your discount. And now, Roddy, you, you know what that sound means. It's time for our weekly feature, the supplement of the week. And what would that be? Well, Peter, you are the authority on stress. After all, you published a book on the subject, Adrenaline Nation. Do you ever get stressed? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely, as we do all. In fact, it's been estimated that uh, nearly 65% of the adult population experiences some form of stress, and these numbers are continually rising. Oh, my God, I know. I've got so many plates in the air, I get stressed all the time. But, you know, the other day, I was so tired and overwhelmed, I got stuck in traffic, and it was just, oh, my God, it was making me crazy. And I didn't know if I was going to make it through the day. I was anxious and tired and so uh, while I was at the store I broke open a bottle of Mood Food ES Extra Strength by Zymogen and I swear like within a few minutes I was calmer yet I had energy and felt fine the rest of the day. Yeah that doesn't surprise me because you know the brain needs particular vitamins, minerals, amino acids, fatty acids and other nutrients in order to synthesize uh, neurotransmitters which are our brain chemistry. Additionally, the process of methylation, as we've talked about with Dr. Kulitz, is essential to healthy brain chemistry. Under-methylation results in low levels of serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine, which can manifest as depressed mood. So, Mood Food ES contains the key nutrients needed for healthy methylation. I know, but you know, what else is in extra strength formula that makes it special is something called suntheanine. Uh, it's been said that since ancient times, drinking green tea induced relaxation. And green tea is the primary source of an amino acid called L-theanine. Suntheanine is the trade name for patented pure form of L-theanine. Yes, the brain emits weak electrical impulses that can be measured on the surface of the head, which are classified based on their frequency. And some are known as alpha waves, which puts put you in a state of deep relaxation, whereas beta brain waves put you in a heightened state of alertness, logic, and critical reasoning. And human clinical trials have shown that just 50 to 200 milligrams grams of suntheanine promotes an alert state of relaxation without drowsiness as indicated by an increase in alpha brain waves and a decrease in beta brain waves. Which I could use a decrease in my beta brain waves. <laughs> you know, Peter, additional human clinical research suggests that suntheanine may have applications in improving the quality of sleep, diminishing nor- uh, normal symptoms of premenopausal syndrome, Uh, improving learning performance, heightening mental acuity, promoting concentration, reducing negative side effects of caffeine, and supporting the immune system. And now it's time for the burning question where we answer those important health questions that you, the listeners, send in to us. It's important to note that any diagnosis of disease can only be provided by your medical doctor or other licensed healthcare professional. None of the information we present is intended for the diagnosis or treatment of disease. Christine from Phoenix asks, Are there any changes to my diet that I can make to help alleviate my menopause symptoms? Well, of course, first and foremost, Christine, avoid carbs, sugar, and processed food, period. Eat lots of good fats like flaxseed, olives, olive oil, avocado, salmon, and walnuts. Yeah, you know, but I tell you, when I share that list with my customers, one of the common comments is, 
but you're taking away all of my good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, at the same time though, vitamin E, 400 to 800 IU daily can help reduce hot flashes and night sweats. Also, be sure you're getting some calcium 15 milligram daily is 1,500 milligram daily. The best type of calcium, of course, is what I like is the algae-based uh, calcium because it doesn't store in the artery. Oh, there you go. But as, you, as you've indicated also before, microcrystalline calcium hydroxyapatite is also a, a suitable a substitute. Uh, but magnesium of 500 milligrams to 750 milligrams daily is essential to help with the absorption of that calcium. And don't forget your vitamin D3, about 2,000 IU daily. Yep, and vitamin C, 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams daily helps absorption of vitamin E and decreases capillary fragility, which we all have to be concerned with as we become chronologically advantaged. Right, I'm getting a lot of that capillary fragility right now. Um, (laughs) But evening primrose, about 500 milligrams, three or four times a day. Evening primrose really is great for hormones, especially women's hormones, PMS and menopause. Sure, and in the area of herbs and natural phytoestrogens, black cohosh, uh, a dose of 20 to 60 milligrams three times a day. It's a phytoestrogen that helps many women manage menopause symptoms, and there are a, a number of black cohosh products on the market for menopause, including remifemin. However, it's important to note, as we... Um, as I have seen some women um, who have gone through surgical menopause, uh, those botanicals may not, or they, those people that have gone through surgical menopause may not find phytoestrogens as helpful as those who experience natural menopause. I also like Feminescence, which is a maca formula that's very effective for women. Another option is Don Quai, 500 to 1,000 milligrams, two to three times daily. Also, the, the two herbs, ginseng, 100 milligram to 500 milligram, three times a day, and Vitex, Vitex angus castus, about 175 million, uh, milligrams daily. And natural progesterone causes virtually no side effects. And also, you might want to try DHEA, a.k.a. the mother hormone. And finally, Peter, I like bioidentical compounds. Um, I'm taking biased, and I I really love it. Um, But I recommend if you're going to get bioidentical, you should first go to uh, www.hormonesandme.com. That's hormonesandme.com and fill out the questionnaire to be sure and get the right recommendations for your doctor. And of course, don't forget to get plenty of regular exercise. Exercise is probably the single most important thing a woman can do to improve her overall health and well-being throughout her life. So we're circling back to your to your article you talked about earlier. Here we are. Regular exercise at least three or four days a week helps prevent and reduce bone loss, especially if you're doing weight training, and plays a key role in reducing your risk of many types of cancer as well. Yeah, and let's say that, that again, weight training. 
That, very important. Well, I hope that that helps, Christina. Be sure and submit your own burning question to the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. That's the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. And tune in every week to hear if your question is being answered on the air. We'll be back after this message from our sponsor. You're listening to the Wellness Connection on Voice America Digital Radio Network. TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Balance and good health, two essential building blocks for a full and rich life, but sometimes in our complex and stressful world, both can be lost, and you need to find a natural way to get them back. Enter CBD oil, a natural approach to restoring harmony to your body and your life. But not just any CBD oil. For natural results, you want to be sure the CBD oil you use is produced the right way. Wave Organics offers pure CBD oil from hemp raised naturally on farms in Colorado. The oil is extracted using supercritical CO2, which is free of toxic solvents. In fact, Wave controls every step in the process, offering quality control and natural approaches from seed to shelf. Visit WAAYB.com to learn more and use the code WellnessConnection for a 10% discount on your first order. Wave Organics, pure natural CBD. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. Listening to the Wellness Connection. If you have a question or comment for Peter Aradia, please send it via email to the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. That's the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. Now, let's return to this week's show. And now it's time for the Drug Nutrient Depletion Report. And what drug are we going to talk about this week, Ryan? Well, our drug of the week is anticonvulsants, such as dilantin or lamectal. And the nutrients that may be depleted, and boy, it's quite a list, are calcium, magnesium, vitamin D3, vitamin K2, B6, B12, folic acid. And we all know calcium deficiency may decrease the formation of bone and teeth, but it also may decrease the ability to clot blood, cell membrane permeability, neuromuscular activity, heart rhythm, nerve tranquilization, nerve transmission, and muscle growth and contraction. And magnesium deficiency may cause weakness, confusion, muscle tremors, tetany, muscle twitches, and myocardial necrosis. Vitamin D deficiency may cause osteomalacia, um, and also a, a burning sensation in the mouth and throat. It also can compromise your immune system. Yep, and vitamin K uh, deficiency makes the pro- vitamin K makes the protein that allows the blood to clot and makes the proteins that control calcium. So a deficiency there can compromise those functions as vitamin, well. Vitamin K steers the calcium to the bone away from the artery, which is important. There you go. And vitamin B6 deficiency may cause anemia, degeneration of the peripheral nerves, uh, depression 
learning disabilities and poor metabolism of protein, carbohydrate, and fat. So when you pick up your prescriptions, be sure that you talk to a qualified pharmacist or wellness consultant in order to help you get the right nutrients to complement your prescription. And now it's time for our health freedom segment. We're delighted to have with us today Jennifer Ziegler. She was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2004. She supported grassroots advocacy on behalf of the Lone Star chapter of the MS Society since 2007 and served on their government relations committee until 2012. Jennifer received adult stem cell therapy twice for multiple sclerosis in 2012 in Houston, Texas, and again in 2016 in Panama with many quality of life improvements. She received her own bone marrow stem cell for an ACL repair in 2015 at the Rorden Medical Institute in South Lake, South Lake Texas with a complete recovery. Her mission is to educate, empower, and improve the lives of others touched by chronic illness. She's a founding member of Patients for Stem Cells, which is at patientsforstemcells.org. And Jennifer was most recently involved in the launch of the Foundation for Cell-Based Medicine, an informational site with everything you'd want to know about an adult stem cell treatment. She's participated in testimony given in front of the Texas House and Senate in favor of Charlie's Law, HB 810, granting access to Texas Texans to expanded adult therapy treatments. She also participated in the rulemaking process for this law with the Texas Medical Board. This past August, HB 810 was accepted as model legislation by the American Legislative Executive Council. Texas HB 10 is now available for other states to use as a guideline in passing similar legislation. Jennifer, welcome to the Wellness Connection. Well, thank you so much, Peter, for having me. It's, it's just a thrill to be able to talk about this law with you. Well, Jennifer, tell us exactly what is the Charlie's Law? Yeah, Radia, so Charlie's Law, HB 810, uh, is an expanded adult stem cell bill. And the reason this is so important is because Texas is the first state in our country to pass an expanded adult stem cell bill. Wow. Lots, of, uh, lots of places advertise that they treat with stem cells, but actually uh, it is illegal to treat with expanded cells now except for in the state of Texas. Wow. Wow, that's really amazing. Uh, Why do they call it Charlie's Law? Well, we had a legislate, uh, House representative member, Charlie Guerin, who uh, actually passed away during session and uh, from cancer. And we decided in honor of Charlie that we would name this Charlie's Law. His doctors actually said at one time that uh, the only hope that he would have had would have been treatment with adult stem cells. Wow. Well, what a, what a moving and uh, meaningful tribute to uh, Representative Garen. And I remember him. I, we, we interacted right. with him yeah. In, yeah. in prior legislative uh -huh. sessions. So, uh, Jennifer, how does uh, the Charlie's Law interact with federal law? 
Well, it's, it's a little interesting. So I know a lot of your listeners may have heard of the right to try bills. I'm going to use a, a comparison here. Um, right to try was passed in the state of Texas in 2015. And what that bill, uh, what that bill allows is for a terminal patient to use um, a, a drug therapy that's not yet on the market. So uh, like I said, Texas had passed that in 2015, and uh, by 2018, 40 other states had passed that bill. Uh, Congress took note of this fact and passed what we know today is the right to try uh, federally. So what we're hoping will happen with our bill federally is that we can first take on this as a state-by-state initiative. And then we're hoping that the federal government will notice what we're doing. And uh, similar to the right to try bills that have passed in 40 states and federally, that they would take a look at uh, expanded adult stem cells the way that they did the right to try bills. So it's not legal federally yet, but we feel we've got a pretty good model using uh, the right to try bill. So you, um, you have quite a bit of experience with stem cell, as I mentioned in your introduction. Um, can you elaborate a little bit on how stem cell works and how it worked for you? Sure. So my, my, my most recent treatment was in Panama in 2016 at the Stem Cell Institute down there in Panama. And unfortunately, as a chronic patient with MS, I have to fly out of the country to get this therapy. So um, stem cells can be taken, adult stem cells can be taken from different parts of your body. They can be uh, taken from bone marrow or fat. They can be taken from... Um, umbilical cords donated from live healthy births um, or from cord blood. So a lot, of, uh, a lot of people are familiar with banking their baby's cord blood. Uh, so that would be an expanded adult stem cell treatment. So what a stem cell actually does in your body is it really hones in on inflammation. And so um, autoimmune in general, as I'm sure both of you all know, is a very inflammatory disease. Uh, lots of... Uh, lots of reasons uh, for people to get an adult stem cell treatment, uh, treating the inflammation in your body. And so that was my main objective is to treat that inflammation in my body. And mm -hmm. so I had to fly down to Panama to get those expanded cells because unfortunately they're not available here in the United States. Mm -hmm. So uh, lots of people with MS have different, uh, different types of things going on in their bodies, such as chronic fatigue or, you know, muscle spasticity, um, lots of different things, mobility issues, et cetera. And so for, for me, I had a lot of improvement with, uh, heat intolerance and fatigue and pretty common things that most MS patients deal with. So, mm -hmm. um, very, very much worth the money and the effort to go down there and do that. Approved therapies just don't offer that same type of improvement. So it's, you know, that's why we're seeing so many people become medical tourists and leave our country to get this type of treatment. Wow, it's a commentary on our healthcare system, isn't it? Uh, you know, uh, Charlie's Law, as uh, we indicated in your bio, has been accepted as model legislation in other states. And how did that happen? 
Well, it actually hasn't been accepted in other states yet. So that's the key word. So we went down to New Orleans and attended the ALEC Convention, which is the American Legislative Executive Council. And every year that's a group of senators and House representatives that come down and you present your bill and hope that the committee uh, will pick it up and roll it out to the other states. And so that's exactly what happened with our medical freedom bill, Charlie's Law. It was read in front of committee and it was accepted as model legislation. And so what that entails now is other states can use our law basically as a, a blueprint. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel in knowing what the language is or knowing some of the hurdles that we may have encountered during, uh, during the session. So really, it's, it, it makes it easier to roll this bill out to other states. We, we contacted a lot of the uh, Right to Try authors prior to this meeting, and there was a lot of interest. So we were really thrilled about that. So do you have a, uh, a good feeling? Where, I mean, the, the Texas legislature is coming up in, Ju- in January. Yes. Is there anything uh, going on in the Texas legislature that uh, we can be looking out for? Well, we, we'll probably go in and do a little bit of a cleanup on it, actually. Um, there's some guidelines in the bill um, that any doctor that would be treating under this law would have to follow. And so... Um, not, not unusual to go in the next session and, and try to do a little cleanup on it. So more than likely, that's what we're going to attempt to do. Well, how can our listeners learn more about your activities and how they can get involved, learn about stem cell, and, and also how they can help your organization uh, in legislative movements? Sure. So I founded a group. Well, I'm a founding member of a group called Patients for Stem Cells, as you mentioned in the beginning. And we're patientsforstemcells.org. We post a lot about what we're doing legislatively um, and just some of the things that that we attend and just the happenings uh, in the Texas legislature right now. And then the foundation for cellbasedmedicine.org has just about everything you need to know about what an adult stem cell treatment entails. And so both of those sites are, are, uh, would be great resources for anyone looking into a treatment or for anyone that wants to know what's going on. But if you're interested in, in passing this type of legislation in your state, please reach out to me. Please reach out to our groups and we can, we can do a little handholding. We can help guide that process and make it easier for you because patients should not have to leave our country. Oh, that's awesome. Give that, give that website one more time. Sure. It's patients, plural, patients for stem cells, plural, dot org. And then uh, the, the information site is the foundation for cell-based medicine, dot org. Uh-huh. Beautiful. Well, God, we'd like to hear more from you, Jennifer. Um, it, it, it's all the time we have today, but we definitely want to have you back and, and hear how the legislature is moving forward. Thank you for joining us on the Wellness Connection. And be sure to tune in next week. And, of course, be sure to submit your burning question. The next one we answer may be yours. I'm your co-host, Roddy Iglesias. And I'm your co-host, Peter McCarthy. So long for now from the Wellness Connection, brought to you by Wabe and Alpha Therapeutics. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Wellness Connection with Roddy Iglesias and Peter McCarthy. Be sure to join us for another episode next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
We'll talk again next week.